Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 33. Um, tons to dive into today. Obviously, NFL week one starting tonight, Cowboys, Bucks. Um, college football week two coming up. Uh, you know, we're going to get start off with some uh, soccer headlines and discussions and my Champions League group stage predictions. Then we'll get into combat sports headlines and discussions. What's next for the fights last week? Uh, college football headlines and discussions and my top my twenty twenty two top twenty twenty two top ten twenty twenty two uh quarterback prospect quarterback prospects stats and performances from uh week one. Uh, I'll do I'll update those weekly on you know who I think is the top quarterbacks for the draft next year. Uh college football game of the week predictions and spreads of the week for week two. Um, and then my post week one power 26 college football rankings. And then we're going to get in my uh, top 10 heartbreaking sports moments of my favorite teams and players. My pre week one power 12 NFL rankings, NFL headlines and discussions, ton to get to my, uh, five storylines heading to week one. Uh, Colton fee told me he wanted to hear that on the podcast. I think we'll make that a segment each week, you know, going into each week. What are the, what are the big storylines? Um, my final NFL standing predictions for the season and the biggest questions in each division. We'll get into my playoff predictions, how I think it'll go, uh, you know, pre-any games. Uh, my top five predictions for MVP, my top five predictions for offensive and defensive rookie of the year, and my top three predictions for coach of the year. Then final, we'll get into my NFL game predictions and spreads of the week for week one. So soccer you know, a couple quick hitter headlines. Ronaldo going back home to Man U. Um, does this make Man U legit contenders for the Premier League and the Champions League? I think it does. Um, think I, I was listening to Man U, a uh, couple of soccer guys I follow, uh, big Man U guy, he was saying, you know, it didn't fix the midfield, you know, and did did it really fix our creative or you know us creating from the midfield and stuff? I think it really does though, because I mean, now you got Bruno and Pogba being able to feed to Ronaldo, who is a very obviously maybe the greatest goal scorer of all time, um, maybe the best striker of all time. Uh, I think uh, this does it does fix some problems. Um, I do think it. I do think they have a legit chance now of winning the Prem and winning the Champions League for sure. Uh, I love the signing. Um, obviously Ronaldo's my favorite, you know, one of my favorite soccer players, first or second with Pulisic. Um, so I'm excited. You know, I'm a Liverpool guy, but I am excited to watch him at uh um at Man U. And if you know, if Liverpool can't get it done, I would obviously like to see Chelsea or because they got Pulisic, or I'd love to see Man U get it done with Ronaldo, and I think they're gonna have a legit chance at winning both. Um Mbappe will stay at PSG this season. Will most likely end up at Real Madrid next year. PSG want Holland as a replacement. I've heard plenty of, uh, you know, top tier strikers that they would like if they if they do lose Mbappe, which it sounds like they will after this year. Um, they want Holland or Lewandowski. Those are the two guys they would go after the hardest. If they couldn't get those, they wouldn't mind. You know, maybe getting in a veteran in there that can just be a a strict goal scorer. You know, maybe a Luis Suarez, bring Neymar, Luis Suarez, and uh, Messi back together for a season. Uh, but yeah, Mbappe, I think this will be his final year at PSG. Arsenal are close to sacking Mikel Arteta. I'm not surprised. Arsenal starting off three losses and three games in the Prem. Not good right now. They're not looking too good at all. 
Uh, yeah, I think I think Arteta is definitely going to be gone sooner rather than later. Uh, Jesse Lingard rejects Manu's contract, wants to see playing time before agreeing to a deal. I think it's smart. Uh, he was tremendous last year at West Ham on loan. Um, now he's back. Um, and I would agree he should he should definitely want to see playing time before he decides on a contract extension. There, you know, they have Pogba and Bruno in his position, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. U.S. men's national team gets a massive 4-1 win at Honduras um, after drawing their first two games to the World Cup qualifying. You know, looking in those first two games, I thought they looked really at, against Canada at times. They looked very good. I thought, you know, after they scored, Aronson scored the goal to go up 1-0 versus Canada, I really thought they just took their their foot off the gas and they really just... They tried to, I think they were just trying, like, let's just get out of here 1-0, you know. And then Canada comes back, you know, quickly and gets an equalizer. And then there was just, Canada really, you know, they really kind of controlled the game after they got the equalizer. And USA really didn't try to, you know, go get a second goal. There was, you know, it was very stagnant at times. But against, you know, again, so, you know, uh... Brandon Moya scores a header in the 27th minute for Honduras to put them up 1-0. Um, U.S. did not look very good those last 18 minutes either of the first half. Um, at halftime, uh, uh, Berhalter, I thought he put on three great subs. Um, he put on uh, Le- uh, Leggett for uh, Sebastian Leggett for Brooks, who was not playing well in my opinion. He put on Anthony Robinson for George Bello, who I thought was playing awful. Put on Brendan Aronson for Sargent all at halftime. You know, Sargent was okay. He was okay in spots, but Aronson, I think, is just much more dynamic. Um, I think after that game, it's going to be pretty tough to take away the top three, like our our, our front three with Pulisic, uh, Pepe, Pepe, and Aronson. That's a pretty good front three I think we have. Uh, they create. Um, they're aggressive. They love to move forward. They're not stagnant. I think it's going to be very tough to take those spots right now. You know, Sargent's going to have to really, you know, keep working at his game and stuff like that. But, you know, with all the Weston McKinney stuff going on, you know, he got spinned for team violations and you thought, man, this is just not good for this team right now, you know. And then, you know, Honduras gets the first goal and it's like, oh my, if they lose this game and they're at two points after three games, it just felt, I even tweeted at halftime, it just felt like 2017-18 all over again. Um but in the second half, again, you bring on those three subs. Uh, Robinson, Anthony Robinson, scores in the 48th minute, assist, assisted by uh, Pepe. Was massive. Three minutes into the first half, was massive to get a goal and equalize. And you could really see as the game went on, you know, into the into the 60s and 70th minute, Honduras really slowed down a bit, you could tell. And we took advantage of that with our subs. Pepe gets a beautiful header assisted by Aronson in the 75th to put us up 2-1. Then Pepe gets an, a, a massive assist to Aronson to put us up 3-1 in the 86, and that was really the end of the game. And then, you know, uh, let Gleck, uh, Sebastian Gleck scores in the 93rd to end the game. We go, win a 4-1, and it was massive to get the 4-1 win because it puts us in third, um, tied with Canada. Uh, they have the goal differential on us right now, but it put us over Panama on the goal differential, so it was really nice to get that the third and fourth goal. Um, we looked really good in the second half. Uh, McKenzie came on for defense at center back. He looked very good. Um, Tyler Adams was really good in spots. I mean, off that right wing back, he was pressing forward. He was getting around. 
Anthony Robinson was a stud. I mean, uh, Acosta was good in spots, controlling the midfield. I really liked what we did, and I thought we looked very good, which was huge. Next uh, international break, international window, we get two home games. Um, I guess here we can see, I'll look up right now who we play. Uh, but, dude, I just thought we looked very good um, in that second half, which, you know, U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifying. So, yeah, we get the 4-1 win last night. That was so big. Um, okay, so, you know, so who do we get? Okay, we get we get U.S. We get Jamaica and Costa Rica at home. Those gotta be those gotta be six points right there. Then we get Panama, who's looked very good. You know, tied one one with Mexico last night. Um, they've looked very good. We get them on the road, so that's a game where you got to realize. You know, you have to realize in those two out of those two games we get at home, we got to get six because Panama's a tough one. That could be a draw. That could be a loss. It'd be nice to get nine, of course. But uh. Man, we looked very good. Uh, we looked very good in that second half against Honduras. That was the team you want to see. That's how you want to see us play. Getting the ball forward, creating opportunities. Obviously, Pulisic went down with an injury. Uh, Roldan came on and played tremendous as well. Uh, you know, we'll see what his injury is, and hopefully he can be back by the next international window for us against, you know, getting those two home games, which I think we... You know, you gotta think we scored. We scored three of those goals without Pulisic on the field, and when and Pulisic was creating big time, and you know, Pulisic had to go off. Roldan came in. The creating didn't stop, and that was key. When he went off, was it gonna be like, geez, are we gonna still be able to create? Aronson and Pepe, Pepe were so good. They were so good. You know, they end up with you know, Pepe gets, um, a goal and two assists. Aronson gets a goal and assist. He scored a goal against Canada. They look phenomenal right now, and I love to see that. Hopefully, Weston can get his stuff together because we do need him. Let's be honest; he's our best midfielder, in my opinion. He, I think he is our best midfielder. He can he can play defense. He's a good defender in the midfield. He can create. He can also score goals in the out of the midfield. We need him. We need him to get his stuff together and get going. Um. So, okay, let's go into the Champions League group stage predictions. I really thought Liverpool got a tough group. But we'll start with Group A, which is Man City, Leipzig, Club Bruges, and PSG. Leipzig is good. I just think this group is, this top, the top two in that group is ridiculous. They may be the two best teams in the world. I'm going PSG 1, Man City 2. Leipzig 3 and Club Bruges 4. I'm going to go PSG and Man City advance. PSG topping the group. Man City finishing second. For Group B, this is Liverpool, AC Milan, Porto, and Atletico Madrid. That is a tough group. Porto being the worst team out of the out of the group is a tough group. They are a good team. AC Milan is a good team. I do think those top two teams, Liverpool and Atletico, advance. Liverpool looking for a little revenge after, you know, Atletico knocked us out in the round of 16. Um... Was that a couple years back when COVID hit? Or was that last year? Yeah, it was last year when they knocked us out of the round of 16. Right before they went on break because of COVID. It was the last game played. Which, you know, Klopp thought they should have stopped play before that game. Um, but I think Liverpool tops the group, and I think Atletico gets second. AC Milan third, Porto fourth. Uh, group C, 
you know, interesting one. You got Ajax, Sporting Lisbon, uh, Besiktas, uh, and Dortmund. I think Dortmund topped this group fair, not fair, not easily, but I think handle they handily topped the group. And I'm gonna go Ajax in second. Sporting Lisbon could get second though. They could beat Ajax, and then I think uh, Besiktas finishes fourth in Group C. Group D. Real Madrid and Inter back in the same group, right? Uh, never even heard of this team, not going to lie to you. Uh, Sheriff Teraspol, don't even know where they're from. I have them finishing fourth. I have Shakhtar in third. I think Real Madrid and Inter clearly and easily uh, advance in this group. I'm going to go Real Madrid finishes first, though. I think Inter with some big losses. Um, I'm going to go Real Madrid finishes uh, first in Group D. In Group E, you have Bayern Munich. Benfica, Dynamo, and Barcelona. Um, I think Dynamo gets last. I think Bayern tops it. Barcelona should get through. I know that they've lost a lot, and you know they're playing a really young group. Still with some good vets in there too, but I'm gonna go Bayern gets in. Bayern Barcelona does get second, and then I'm gonna say Benfica third. Group F. Um, Atalanta, Man U, Young Boys, and Villarreal. I think Man U tops this one easily. I think Young Boys get fourth, and I think it'll come down to Atalanta and Villarreal. I'm going to go Atalanta in second, Villarreal in third, and Group F. Group G, kind of a wide-open group in my opinion. Not a, not a, uh, There's not really an elite club in this group. You got Wolfsburg, Sevilla, FC Salzburg, and Lille from uh, France. I'm going to go Wolfsburg in fourth. I'm going FC Salzburg in first. I think I'm going to go Sevilla over Lille in second, and then yeah, Lille in third. So, Salzburg and uh, Sevilla move on. Um, group H, again, I think, you know, Chelsea, Zenit, Malmo, and Juventus. I think Chelsea tops this pretty easily. I think Juventus fairly easily gets second as well. And then I got Zenit in third and Malmo in fourth. So, that is my group stage predictions for the Champions League. Combat sports, headlines, and discussions. De La Hoya tested positive for COVID. So Belfort's now going to take on Evander Holyfield in Florida as the main event. Saw Holyfield hitting pads. Does not look good. I don't know. I kind of think Belfort knocks him out. Uh, So that is this weekend. I'm going to go Belfort via KO in round one, honestly. I think he gets him out of there quick. Anders Silva says after fight with Tito, he's very interested in a Jake Paul clash. Saw Jake Paul yesterday on the podcast. Said Tommy Fury's probably the front runner right now. For his next fight, you know, he said Fury's got a big following, you know, over 4 million followers on, on Instagram. So, you know, it's kind of a big fight. Uh, the UK fans will definitely sport Tommy Fury hard. I'm going Anderson over Tito pretty easily as well. I know Tito's a tough guy. I'm guessing it's a six-round bout. I'm going to go Anderson via third or fourth-round stoppage. And uh, Katie Taylor gets another dominant decision win. I think Amanda Serrano's got to be next. Uh, she trains with Jake Paul. Uh... She yeah you know, she was training with Jake Paul. I think Serrano, Katie Taylor, biggest fight in women's boxing history. You know I think that fight's got to happen next. So some MMA ones, quick hitters. Brunson dominated Till, gets the round three sub. Till did fight on a uh, torn ACL. He said you know he couldn't wrestle for ten weeks. So he just said I have to, I got to get through. The, I think he's like he said I think I can beat this guy even with the torn ACL, which obviously wasn't a great decision with Brunson's wrestling. He couldn't stop a takedown. Obviously the ACL, you know, doesn't help. You know, trying to stop the takedown. 
Does Brunson deserve to fight the winner of Izzy Rob 2? I mean, the win streak's pretty impressive, and he's been ultra-dominant. I think you got to see what happens with Costa. Can he beat... I don't think even Vittori beats Costa. He's in the running. Cannonier just won. You could do Cannonier Brunson. We'll get into what's next here in a minute. Aspinall looks great again. Dominates Bivak with a round one TKO victory. He looks unreal. He looks like a middleweight moving at heavyweight. It's kind of this new age. You got Nganu, who's very fast for... Heavyweight, you got Gone, who's very fast for heavyweight. You know, Stipe even moves very good on his feet for a heavyweight. And then you got Aspinall coming in. You know, I think he he looks spectacular. And then Patty Pimblett, my guy, excites and gets round one KO win over Luigi Vandaramini. Um, you know, he you know early on it was a little like oh shit, is the hype train going to be derailed already? He was able to compose himself after getting rocked bad. Uh, and he was able to, you know, find a way to land his shots and get it done. You can just tell from when he fought at lightweight, his first time in Cage Wars, when he tried to be a 2-8 champ, he has transformed his body so much from being a featherweight. He's now a natural lightweight. He's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's powerful. Um, Patty Pimlet's going to be one to watch. Uh, Jimmy Crute versus Jamal Hill, targeted for December 4th. Both guys coming off losses in a battle of light heavyweight prospects. This is a great fight. I'm not usually a fan of them throwing prospects at each other. It's like, hey, let's let's have them, you know, maybe meet when they're higher up ranked and stuff. But it's a great fight. Uh, I would lean Jimmy Crute, but we're not going to get predictions yet. But I can't wait for that one. Uh, Masvidal was in had a recent interview. Well, let me take a drink of water. Masvidal had a recent interview. Said he wants a big fight. But he's open to other things. He wants to get back into title contention. He says he will have an eye on the Nick Diaz fight. He said he's very interested in that fight if Nick looks good. And he wants to beat the shit out of Jake and Logan Paul. For me, Masvidal, I think he's done at the top. I think there's some there's some tough matchups. Could I see Masvidal you know, beating Leon Edwards or Gilbert Burns? Sure, I could see it. Would I favor him in those matchups? No. Um, a Vicente Luque fight's tough. Um, I definitely don't see him beating Usman or Covington ever. Yeah, too big, too strong at wrestling, for, in my opinion. And, you know, I think they're just way better all-around fighters than Masvidal is. I think if I was Masvidal, I'd be, you know, maybe the Leon fight's not a bad idea because there's history there and it's kind of a big fight and you can promote that. I honestly see if Nick Diaz can win, I see Nick Diaz next for Jorge. So Nick's fighting at the end of September. I could see them doing, you know, I don't know. It depends what that December 11th pay-per-view looks like. But if not, you could possibly see them throwing them, them as the, you know, main event or co-main event of a January pay-per-view. You know, I've heard Izzy versus Rob or Nganu versus Gon being the first January pay-per-view. You could do Jorge Nick as a co-main event five-rounder on that card. Um, that would be massive. If I was him, I'd go the Nick-Nate route next. If you could, you know, beat Nick and you look very good and dominant, then maybe, okay, let's try one more. Leon, let's go Leon or Gilbert next, or Luke. But yeah, I think that's what Masvidal should do next. So a little what's next. We're going to do Pimblet, Aspinall, Till, and Brunson. For Pimblet, I don't think they're going to rush him. I think they're going to give him two or three more fights to get his get his feet wet. And I know this number one option, people might think, well, is that a little... It, it is a step up in Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson's also lost three or four in a row. And it's a fun fight. You know it's going to be a scrap that somebody's getting knocked out. 
You could also do Matt Frivola, who's on a, he lost his last fight, but he's also an interesting fighter. I think those are two fights that would make sense for Pimblet next. For Tom Aspinall, I've heard a couple names. Um, you know, me and my cousin, he's a big MMA guy. We talked about it. I he, he agreed. He said Bogoy Ivanov next because it's a guy who's never been finished really. Yeah, he's a tough fighter. That would be a good test. I said, and then I, I agreed with that as being the number one option. I also said you could do Augusto Sakai. Would be another tough one. He's coming off a couple losses, but he's still a tough guy. Um, but that's, I think, Aspinall's next two. You know, Ivanov or Sakai. For Till, um, I don't think you need to take a massive step back. I think Uriah Hall would be the number one option next. Um, obviously, Till's going to have to recover from this ACL. But uh, I think Hall could be next. And I think second, you could do either if Kevin Holland gets a win or you could do Brad Tavares, who's coming off a couple wins. I think those are some good options for Till. For Brunson, number one option's clear. Wait. For the title shot, which could be a while because who knows when they're going to do Israel Raw because they want to do it in a stadium in in New Zealand. So, you know, it depends when they do that. If he doesn't want to wait, if he ends up not wanting to wait around, Jared Cannonier is coming off a win. That would be also an exciting fight, him versus Cannonier. So one of those really is what I would go with. College football headlines and discussions. Alabama dominates Miami. Bryce Young impresses. Bama clearly looks like the best team. Yes. All three. <laughs> uh, they look so good. I know it's only week one, but they look by like by far the best team in the country. Like, not even close. And that wasn't against the Citadel or somebody or, you know, West Alabama. That was against the number 14 ring team in the country. A team that I think is going to compete in the ACC. Uh, Georgia beats Clemson in a defensive struggle 10-3. Yeah, Clemson really did not perform how I thought they would. Uh, you know, the offensive line was... You know, Uyunglele was sacked seven or eight times. Um, JT Daniels looked good. You know, Clemson's got a great defense, so that was like that was a game you knew could possibly be lower scoring. I think I had Clemson winning like, I think I had Clemson winning a little higher. I think I had like thirty one twenty four. Probably should have had a lower score. I did. I did take Clemson minus two and a half also. But yeah, uh, worried about OU's early struggles. Never in week one do I push the panic button on a team. Really. Um, 2020, they lost their second and third games to K-State and Iowa State. 2019, had a shootout with Houston in the opener. 2018, went to OT with Army in like the third game, won 28-21. OU has been notorious the last three years for starting off slow and having, you know, some bad games start. I, I don't put any stock into that. I think OU is still going to win the Big 12. I think they're still going to go in the college football playoff. I think Rattler's still the best quarterback in college football. It was just, you know, he didn't, he didn't play well, and we'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, UCLA upsets LSU 38-27. Is Coach O on the hot seat? Absolutely he's on the hot seat. How can he not be? Um, you know, your only good year is maybe the you having the greatest offense and one of the best offense coordinators. You know, you have one of the best. One of the best offenses, maybe the best offense in college football history. You had an um, unreal offense coordinator. I mean, you had Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I think they had Clyde Edwards. Yeah, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So come on. They were so stacked that year. You look at the years outside of that, he's been an average coach, in my opinion, maybe even below average. I do think if they go around, which what I think they'll go six and six, seven and five, I think he could be out. Mackenzie Milton returns after three years to tie the game versus Notre Dame. He led a touchdown drive and the game-time field goal. Notre Dame did hold on to win in OT, 41-38. Florida State missed the field goal in overtime, and then Notre Dame made theirs to win the game. That was unreal, though, to see McKenzie Milton back out there. I'm glad he's getting a chance to play. 
He looked really good, really, really good. And Florida State's back. Okay, I'm not saying that they're going to be, they're going to win the ACC this year, but I do think they're going to give teams tough, tough games, and I think they're going to be a team that goes like nine and three this year. I really do think they're going to be very good, um, and you know they're getting it turned around down there, so that's really good to see. So my top ten 2022 quarterback prospects give you their stats and then their performance grades from week one. So at ten, I have Brock Purdy. Again, I've always said, every year you're hearing about Iowa State and Brock Purdy. Oh, this is the year Iowa State's going to win the Big 12 and Purdy's going to prove he's a first-round quarterback. And it just hasn't happened. I know it's week one, but they did play Northern Iowa. He was 21 for 26, which is good. 199 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. He didn't play bad, but he also didn't play very good either. I get, and they beat Northern Iowa 16-10. They get Iowa this week, okay? He's going to have to perform. Uh, I said, I gave him a C-plus grade because, I again, they won the game. He didn't turn it over. He didn't play bad, but he didn't play good either. He played average. Um, number nine, I have JT Daniels from Georgia. He was 22 of 30, 135 yards, zero touchdown, did have the one pick. They get the win. I gave him a B, and here's why. I think uh, um, that was a tough defense they played. Clemson's a great defense, top five defense in college football. Uh, he will play better as the season goes on. He will get better for sure. And he may even climb my list a lot higher. But I just thought, you know, B's a good performance. They won the game. He didn't do anything drastic for them to lose it. He'd have the one pick. But he didn't do anything drastic for them to lose the game. You know, if they lose this game and he had that stat line, I probably would have said C-. So, But I think JT Daniels is going to have a phenomenal season. Eight, Keaton Slavis from USC. 25 of 36. 258 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks for San Jose State, and a 37 win. I gave him a B as well. It was San Jose State. I'm not gonna jump. I'm not gonna go crazy. I thought he looked very good. I'm not gonna go nuts though. Seven, Carson Strong from Nevada. Um, they played Cal. They won 22-17. He had he was 22 of 39, so not accurate. He had 312 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. I gave him a B plus because he did play a Power Five school. And now you gotta think. I think they play it. They play a lower team this week, and then they play K State on the road. Okay, that's gonna be a huge test for Carson Strong. That's a good defense. K State's got a very good defense. Uh, that's gonna be a massive test for him. Uh, Phil Yurkovec from Boston College, eighteen of twenty-seven, three hundred thirty-two yards, three touchdowns versus Colgate. I gave him a B plus. Again, I'm not gonna give an A A minus for playing Colgate, but I thought he looked tremendous. And I think there is a chance that he climbs up into the top three for quarterbacks by the 2022 draft. Uh, five, Malik Willis from Liberty. You know, he is 15 for 23, 217 yards, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown against Campbell. I gave him a B minus. Again, not going to go crazy. He played Campbell. Um, he plays Troy this weekend, who's a lot tougher. Troy's got a good team. So that'll be interesting to see how Malik Willis does uh, this weekend. Uh, four, Matt Corral, 22 of 32, 381 yards, one touchdown, no pick, one rushing touchdown versus Louisville. A minus. He was tremendous. Matt Corral has the potential to be the number one quarterback prospect going into the draft, 100%. Three, not dropping him too far. I had him at two to start the year. I'm only dropping Sam Howell one because the first game of the year, Virginia Tech on the road, their defense is always pretty solid. He was 17 of 32, 208 yards, a touchdown. He'd have three picks. I gave him a C minus. Worst grade I gave. I didn't want to give him a D plus because, again, I don't want to, I'm not huge on, I gave what, two A minuses. I didn't give any Ds. I'm not huge on giving D's and A's week one because it's like, okay, it's week one. You know, let's just wait and see. I do think Sam Howell's a phenomenal quarterback. Their O-line's got to be better, though, to protect him. Two, Desmond Ritter. 20-25, 20 
295 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, one rushing touchdown versus Miami of Ohio. I did give him an A-. minus. I thought he was tremendous. He also is a guy, I've heard a lot of people saying, he could be the number one quarterback going into the draft. Number one, I left it at Spencer Rattler. Besides the two picks, really, I mean, 30 for 39, 304 and a touchdown, two picks versus Tulane, they get a win. I gave him a C, and I think that's a fair grade, and I think he would say that's a C grade. I think he would honestly give himself a D or an F grade, though. But again, I'm not huge on giving out Ds and As really week one. So there's my top 10 2022 quarterback prospects after week one and their stats and performance grades from week one. So let's get into my college football game of the week predictions and power rankings. So my post week one, we'll just hit these quick. I'm not really going to address too much on my power, power 26 college football rankings. Alabama one, Georgia two, Oklahoma three, Ohio State four. Uh, A&M 5, Cincinnati 6, Clemson 7, Notre Dame 8, Iowa State 9, Penn State 10, uh, Oregon 11, Florida 12, Iowa 13, 14 USC, uh, thir- or, yeah, 15 Texas, 16 Wisconsin, 17 North Carolina, 18 Coastal Carolina, 19 UCLA, 20 Utah, 21 Arizona State, 20, 22 Miami, 23 Ole Miss, 24 Virginia Tech, 25 LSU, and 26 Indiana. So week one, for my games of the week, um, I went two and three. Not a hot start. Um, you know, I got Ohio State right over Minnesota. I got Alabama over Miami. I did not get Georgia or Clemson over Georgia. I took Wisconsin over Penn State, and I took North Carolina over Virginia Tech. Went two and three on those. Um, for my week two, top five games of the week, number 11, Oregon, at number four, Ohio State. I have Ohio State winning 34-24. That game's Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Number five, Texas A&M at Colorado, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. I got A&M 31-20. So what is – hold on, let's see. I didn't put down the rankings for some of these teams. So Iowa State 9, Iowa 13. Iowa, number 13, Iowa at number nine, Iowa State. I got Iowa winning 23-20. Dogfight, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Texas, I have them at 15. They're at Arkansas Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern. I got Texas 30-20. to 20. And a couple of unranked teams that Michigan's on the brink of being ranked, I think, if they can get a win this week. Washington lost to Montana. I got Washington 17, Michigan 27. That game's at 8 p.m. Eastern. For the spread, I went 3-2. and two. Florida State covered 7.5 versus Notre Dame. Uh, Lafayette did not cover against Texas. Clemson obviously did not cover against Georgia. K-State covered, and Arizona covered 13.5 against BYU. So I went 3-2. and two. So my spreads of the week this week, I got Iowa plus 5.5 at Iowa State. I have Liberty minus 3.5 at Troy. Michigan minus 5.5 at home versus Washington. Tennessee plus 4.5 at home versus Pitt. And Texas minus 5.5 at Arkansas. All right, so now let's get into... Last, you know, got going to do my top 10 heartbreaking sports moments for my favorite sports teams and players. My pre-week one, Power 12 NFL rankings, a ton to get into on the NFL side, and then we'll get into my games and spread predictions. So, not been the best sports year for me, I would say. Uh, The Cowboys were bad last year. KU gets beat by 30. In the NCAA tournament, Connor losing to Poirier in the rematch and then breaking his leg in the trilogy. Uh, Lakers getting bounced in round one of the playoffs. <laughs> so let's get into my top ten. A lot of it is KU. Four of the ten are KU. 
basketball. Uh, number 10 is Cowboys losing to the Packers in the 2017 divisional round. That was when Rodgers made that incredible throw to Jared Cook that led to the game-winning field goal. Three seconds left. Hums at 40, 50 yards down the field. Crosby kicks the game-winning field goal. That was a tough one. That was you. I think I was a 13-3 that year, number one overall seed. That was a tough one. Number nine, KU basketball losing to Michigan in the Sweet 16 of the 2013 tournament. Uh, KU was up. Michigan came back. Trey Burke hit about a 40-foot three to tie it, go to overtime. We lose in overtime. Uh, KU basketball losing to Northern Iowa in the round of 32 of the 2010 NCAA tournament. We were the number one overall seed that year. Morris Twins. Northern Iowa couldn't seem to miss. Number seven, Braun scoring 50 in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals and the Cavs losing. Now, uh, I didn't think the Cavs would win that series, but I think the series could have gone different. I think the Cavs could have won another game. Um, you know, that's how JR gets the rebound. All he had to do is put back in a layup that he had easily. Said he runs to half court because he thinks we're up by one. That was tough. Uh, six, KU basketball losing to Oregon in the Elite Eight of the 2017 so tournament. That was when we had that that four that four guard lineup we have with Frank, Devontae, Svi, and Josh Jackson was so good. Uh, Oregon just couldn't seem to miss, and that's just what happened to the tournament. Five, KU losing to Wichita State in the round of 32 of the 2015 NCAA tournament. I didn't think that was a good KU team, but it was more heartbreaking than the rest because it was Wichita State, and then you know they've been able to talk about that for the past seven years so six seven years so that was a tough one as well four LeBron in the heat losing to the Mavs I remember it well I remember even though I was only you know what 12 13 years old I remember watching it every game they went up 2-1 I was like oh yeah it's over you know they're gonna win this one uh then you know rolling back come the Mavs and they lose that one they they should have been a three-peat they should have three-peated Three, Connor losing to Dustin in the rematch back in January. It was just so surprising. You know, see him get knocked out like that was tough. Uh, yeah, again, I don't even have the one where he broke his leg on here. That one doesn't bother me. He didn't lose that fight. He broke his leg. There's a complete difference in winning the fight. Like how Dustin won it the first time and won it this time. Yeah, he, it's just whatever. Uh, Dez's non-catch is number two versus the Packers in the 2014 Divisional. That is still so ridiculous that that was not a catch. You catch the ball, you take two, three steps, you dive for the pylon, and it's it's ruled incomplete. In my opinion, if anything, it should have been ruled a fumble. Uh, recovery in the end zone for a touchdown, I think, at worst. But I think it should have been first and goal with the, whatever the two. One so yeah, and then number one's obviously Connor losing to Khabib. No, uh, that was the you know, biggest fight in UFC history. So much bad blood there. I can't stand Khabib still to this day. Still hate him. Uh, so you know that was that was by far the most heartbreaking one was to lose that one. Uh, I still think the fight's a lot different if he just you know if he doesn't get dropped if he's more defensive and gives Khabib striking a little bit more respect. Um, you know what sucks is. He was defending the takedowns extremely well in the middle of the octagon. It was when he got up against the fence, and that's what cost him the fight in the fourth. So he got backed up against the cage again, and Khabib was able to, you know, take him down. And Connor gave up the back in a bad position, and that's how the fight ended. So that was definitely the most heartbreaking one for me was that one. You know, not many LeBron ones. I'm not LeBron's, you know, there's been some tough ones, of course. Uh, 
But man, been in the finals every year, so it's like, you know, been in the finals almost every year. So, it's not, you know, tough losses, but, you know, you won four titles. You've been to, you know, we've been to 10, so, or 11, whatever it is. But yeah, Connor Khabib was definitely the most heartbreaking for sure. So, here we go. More my pre-week one Power 12 NFL rankings. At one, I do have the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they 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 address needs. They got better defensively. They got better on the O-line. They still have Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Miko Hardman's going to have to step up. Uh they have I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to be I've heard that Clyde has been a lot more is going to be a lot used a lot more in the passing game than he was last year. And I think that's good because he could honestly end up being their third leading receiver, potentially, depending on how much Nicole steps up. Two, I got the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Returned all 22 starters. What are you going to say? They're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Three, the Green Bay Packers. Discount double checks back. They would not be in the top 12 if he wasn't back. (laughs) So, yeah. Cleveland Browns at four. I think they're the second-best team in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills at 5. The Baltimore Ravens at 6. The Los Angeles Rams at 7. The Minnesota Vikings at 8. The Indianapolis Colts at 9. The Dallas Cowboys at 10. The San Francisco 49ers at 11. And the Tennessee Titans at 12. So a couple headlines and discussions. What are the Cowboys' chances of beat, at beating the Bucks? I think they're, they got decent chances. I think you'd rather want to, you'd want to play them now. I think this is a good, week to, a good spot to play them in Week 1. I really do. So, yeah, I think Cowboys have decent chances. Will the Chiefs look to prove a point in Week 1 versus the Browns? For sure. The Chiefs are going to come out pissed off playing firing at all cylinders. I, I think they beat the Browns. Yeah, I guess we can, we can, we can address that game. I haven't beat it. I do have them beating the Browns. By 10. Um, can the NFC West really get four teams in the playoffs? There's a chance. I just don't see it, though, because, okay, so you got the NFC East. I think they only get one in. Then when you got the South with the Bucks, I think they only get one in. But the Vikings are in the North, so I don't think they get all four in. Yeah, I don't. I really don't. I think they'll get three in, but I think the Vikings will get in for sure. Who will look the best between T-Law, Mack, and Zach Wilson? Well, T-Law has got the best matchup week one for sure. I think T-Law will be the best out of the three this year. I didn't put Fields and Lanson because who knows when they start. So I'm putting the guys that are for sure starting. Will Cam find a new team? I think so. I think if an injury happens, you know, if someone needs a backup quarterback or even a starter, I think Cam could be brought in for sure. Uh, and so here are my top five storylines heading into week one. My number one are the Pats for real with Mac. I think they are for real. I've kind of I've kind of changed my my tone to them. I think they are for real. Can Jameis feel can Jameis fill the Breeze void? I think he's going to do well. I just I think the NFC is going to be, you know, that one division. They got the Vikings. Who knows how the Redskins are going to be, too, or the football team, excuse me. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think he does well, though. Are the Cowboys contenders? If staying healthy, yes. I think if they can stay healthy, they are contenders. Will Brady and the Bucks be the same dominant team? I don't think they'll be as dominant as they were in the playoffs last year, but I do think they're going to still be... They're still probably your favorites to make the Super Bowl of the NFC. Is Sam Darnold good, bad, or average? I think Sam Darnold's going to be good. I've always been on the Sam Darnold train. I think Sam Darnold's going to be pretty good. I think I think he does well. He gets to play the Jets week one. Be not, yeah, he'd love to go throw for 280 and three touchdowns against them. 
All right, so my final NFL standing predictions for the upcoming season. And the biggest questions in each division. So the NFC East. I got the Cowboys winning the division at 10-7. and seven. I got the Redskins going 8-9. and nine. The Giants going 5-12. and 12, And the Eagles going 4-13. and 13. Biggest question, though, Cowboys health and defense. NFC North. I got the Packers going 12-5. and five, The Vikings going 11-6. and six, Bears 6-11. And, and Lions 3-14. and 14. Will Rodgers and the Pack be able to stay cohesive and good together? It's the biggest question, in my opinion. NFC South. Buccaneers one at thirteen and four. Saints at two, nine and eight. Falcons at three, six and eleven. Four Panthers five and twelve. Biggest question, Jameis Winston. NFC West. Rams one at eleven and six. 49ers two at ten and seven. Cardinals three at ten and seven. And the Seahawks at four at nine and eight. I flipped. Can a team separate themselves from the pack? That's the biggest question to me. AFC East, Bills one at thirteen and four. Patriots two. At ten and seven, Dolphins three at nine and eight, and the Jets four at three and fourteen. Can the Pats and Fins compete with the Dolphins? That's the big question. AFC North: Browns twelve and five, winning the division. Ravens eleven and six, finishing second. I got the Steelers going eight and nine, and I got the Bengals going five and twelve. What Steelers team will we get? I think that's the biggest question. AFC South: I got the Colts going eleven and six, Titans going ten and seven, Jaguars five and twelve, and I got the Texans going zero and seventeen. Can Wentz revitalize his career? AFC West, Chiefs 15-2, Chargers 10-7, Raiders 10-7, Broncos 6-11. I think the biggest question, because I think everyone knows the Chiefs can win that division. Can the Raiders or Broncos compete for second? You know, can they? are they going to be able to compete with the Chargers? So, I have the playoff seeding. So, I have the Patriots, even though they went 10-7 as well, or, yeah, 10-7 as well, I have them missing the playoffs because I have them losing to the Chargers and Titans, so they'll miss on head-to-head. Wild card weekend, Bucks obviously get the bye. Packers, the two seed, play the seven seed Cardinals. I got the Packers advancing. The three seeded Rams taking on the six seeded 49ers. I got the Rams advancing. And the five seeded Cowboys, four seeded Cowboys with the five seeded Vikings. I'm going with the Cowboys. It's my one homer pick on the playoffs. AFC, Chiefs with the bye. Two seeded Bills play the seven seeded Chargers. I got the Bills. Three seeded Browns play the six seeded Titans. I got the Browns. And the four-seeded Colts by the five-seeded Ravens. I'm going Baltimore. So the divisional round. One-seeded Bucks in the NFC take on the four-seeded Cowboys. I got the Bucks winning. Two-seeded Packers take on the three-seeded Rams. I do have Green Bay winning. AFC, Chiefs-Ravens. I got Chiefs. Bills-Browns. I got Browns. NFC Championship game, Packers-Bucks. I'm going Packers this year. And then I got the Chiefs beating the Browns and the Chiefs beating the Packers in the Super Bowl. So here are my top five predictions for MVP. Um, five, I'm going Josh Allen, four, Matthew Stafford, three, Aaron Rodgers, two, Baker Mayfield. I think he has a phenomenal year and one, Patrick Mahomes. Shit. Clicked on maps accidentally. Don't know. Okay. Uh, my top five for offensive rookie of the year. Um, five, Devonta Smith. Four, Kyle Pitts. Three, Najee Harris. Two, Mac Jones. And one, I think Trevor Lawrence wins it. I think he has a really good year. My top five predictions for defensive rookie of the year. Another homer pick here. Five, I'm going Peyton Turner, the DM for the Saints. You know, I think he gets playing time, and I think he does well. Four, Trayvon Mulrig, safety for the Raiders. Three, Jeremiah Owosu-Kormoa, linebacker for the Browns. I think it's going to be a two-man race for defensive player of the year. I think I have two, Patrick Sertan, the corner for Denver. 
And I'm picking Michael Parsons, the linebacker from the Cowboys, to win it. And my top three predictions for Coach of the Year, I'm going Mike McCarthy third. I'm going Frank Wright for the Colts second. And I'm going Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, to win it. Here we go. NFL game predictions and spreads of the week. That's what we wanted. I was very good in the NFL last year. I've been very good in the NFL two straight years when I started this. So two years ago, I was great in NFL spreads and predictions, and I was good in college football both. Last year, I was awful in college football, but good in the NFL. Um, Thursday night football, 8.20 p.m. Eastern. I got the Buccaneers beating the Cowboys 27-20. Sunday early games, 1 p.m. Eastern games. I got Cardinals 30, Titans 27. I got the Eagles 23, Falcons 31. Steelers 20, Bills 27. Jets 13, Panthers 23. And I'm announcing these on away team, home team, I believe, right? I believe I announced that right. Away team to home team. Uh, Vikings 34, Bengals 24. 49ers 27, Lions 17. Jaguars 31, Texans 24. Seahawks 23, Colts 24. Chargers 21. I'm going Washington with a win, though, 23-21. Sunday... Midday games, so these are the 425 p.m. Eastern games. Dolphins 17, Patriots 20, Packers 30, Saints 21, Broncos 20, Giants 24, and Browns 24, Chiefs 34. Sunday night football. I'm going Bears 17, Rams 30, Monday night football, Ravens 35, Raiders 23. My top, my week one top five spreads of the week. Give me the Chiefs minus five and a half versus the Browns at home. Panthers minus four and a half at home versus the Jets. Vikings minus two and a half at Cincinnati. Patriots minus two and a half at home versus the Dolphins. And Raiders Ravens minus four at Las Vegas. So there we go. That's going to conclude week one NFL stuff. Week two of college football. Um, obviously, we're going to dive in hard next next Tuesday when you know everything's over with. And uh, it'll be a big week. Need to get on track. I would like to go at least three and two in my game predictions so I can go even at least. It would love to go four and one five and zero to be over five hundred. Then obviously spreads of the week. Let's stay above five hundred. Go at least three and two. Uh, let's go. Okay, so let's go. My let's go to my week two top five games of the week. What I'm most confident in. Okay, so I'm most confident in Ohio State and A and M for sure. I'm. I would rank third confident. Texas, fourth confident Iowa because I know what Iowa State is capable of, and then I'm Michigan just because I don't know. I'm least confident in. For spreads, I love Texas and Tennessee. Tennessee plus four and a half at home. Tennessee, Texas minus five and a half. Tennessee plus four and a half. I like Liberty too. Least confident in Michigan minus five and a half and Iowa plus five and a half. Uh, for NFL, most confident, least confident. I'm really confident in the Chiefs getting it done. Least confident though. Cardinals-Titans the a tough one. Colts-Seahawks, tough. Washington-Chargers, tough. Pretty confident in the Packers. Pretty confident in the Rams and the Ravens. Um, pretty confident in the Bills. Falcons-Eagles could be a toss-up. Oh, Lion, uh, 49ers over the Lions, very confident. Vikings over Bengals, very confident. Jaguars-Texans, who the fuck knows. Uh, for my spreads, again, very com- I'm honestly pretty confident. The one I would say I'm least confident about is the Patriots minus 2.5 versus the Dolphins. But the Chiefs minus five and a half, Panthers minus four and a half against the Jets, Vikings minus two and a half against the Bengals, and Ravens minus four against the Raiders. I'm pretty confident in all those. 
So yeah, so we'll be back next week. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.